Long story short, we were living in. I like a long story long. It, it'll probably it's a be podcast. long. It'll long form here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. All right, welcome back to the interview podcast on the Y Milling Podcast Network. I'm Craig Weinberg, sitting uh, in the studio this evening, this cold winter evening, um, with a friend of mine who's finally agreed. <laughs> To put the headphones on and come in and chat on the record. John Rogers is with us. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Welcome uh, to the. I'm shy. Welcome to the crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is now. Now people know that that's an absolute lie. No, I can still play it. I, I still play it off. <laughs> not, not very well. <laughs> so you've been in Millbank how long? I think we were doing the math. I think we're 11 years in. You think you were doing the math, or you were, and you think you're here? Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. Awesome. <laughs> we think we know. I think 11, 11. or 12 years, because we... Because well, you've I've been, been here I've been 10 here years. 11. Oh, eight. But you've I been on here. Main Street 10 years, correct? That was in yes. the newspaper this last Wednesday. Really? In the 10 years ago section. They welcomed VPD... And the tan salon, tanning salon. Oh, that's right. I. <laughs> you didn't scrapbook that. I got the paper. Well, no, the original. I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ten years on Main Street for us. Okay. We bought our house, which happens to be next door to you. Yes. Um, in November of, um, oh eight. Okay. <clears throat> so we've been there. Jeez. Well, it'll be eleven. Eleven this year. Yeah. So and. We went through two neighbors before you in that <laughs> <Wow>. house. <laughs> really? Yeah. So then you've been there. It's 10 well, years. Well, how old? No, 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 more than that. 12. Because 12 your children's were smallish. Elsie was ready to go into kindergarten. Is that four? And we moved in five? like March. So she was so going to go five. into kindergarten that five or fall. Six? Five. Okay. No, she was going to be six because she's an August birthday. And she's 17 now? Yes. Ha ha, man, you're old. Yes. I only say that because you have your children. Yes. <laughs> Look at me. I'm right. old. Six months older than you. Hey. <laughs> um, why in the world are you in Milbank? Well, long story short, we were living in... I like a long story long. It, it'll probably be long. It'll long probably form be... here. <laughs> well, I was born in Kearney, Nebraska in <laughs> April of 1979. Yeah, I'm a Nebraska oh, boy. I didn't know that. Um, only for four years, and then we moved on. But what brought us to Millbank is we were living in Rockford, Illinois. Actually, we were living in a suburb of Rockford, Illinois, called Winnebago, Ooh, Illinois. Is that where they make them? No. No. Oh, okay. But named for the Winnebago Indians. Oh, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to... Um, yeah. Oops. Yeah. I didn't mean to offend. I apologize. Yes. Um, the uh, <laughs> And in, in fact, the... <laughs> I think it was the younger cheer team was called the Ingenets. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Ingen? How Ingen. did they spell it? I-N-J-U-N-E-T-T-E-S, no I think. <laughs> That's awesome. Ingenets for the Winnebago Indians. Um, then that was just outside of Rockford, Illinois, and Rockford is about an hour and 45 minutes west of Chicago. And we were living there. We'd lived there for six years, I believe. Um, and like Married, as you're, like you and your wife. Married, yep. Okay. So yep. you is that where you were when you got married? No. We were. Oh, I forgot you've been married for a long time. Yes, uh, it's been a long it's like time. Twenty years. Now? This will be twenty years. Good in work. November. Nice. Yes. Um, 
which yeah, that's a whole other side story we'll talk about <laughs> as the podcast progresses. Um, but anyway, we were living there and being a suburb of a larger town, because um, I think in the area around Rockford was like two hundred thousand or something with all the surrounding. Uh, how big is the city itself? I don't know how big Rockford is, but it had Loves Park and McChesney Park and Cherry Valley and Winnebago all like you go two streets over and you're in a different oh, okay. um, suburb different suburb kind of thing. So um, so we wouldn't even let our kids play out in the backyard without us out there because you just didn't feel it had a city feel. It really did. Even though we were in a nice town, Winnebago actually was a lot like Millbank, um, but tied to just right next door, right next door to Sioux Falls. Um, kind of feel. Mm. Okay. Um, and so we wouldn't let the kids, and not, I can't even use Sioux Falls. That's that's not even a fair, because Sioux Falls, I, I think, is still a great town compared to Rockford, Illinois. <laughs> Estimated population 2017 in Rockford, 147,000 people. Okay. Um, it's, it's pretty commonly on the uh, worst place to live. Is that because it's close to Chicago? I think so. Um, and even as we were living there, we saw a large, um, there were people moving out from um, as, what is it, gentrification takes place mm. um, in Chicago. We saw some lower income um, housing going up in Rockford. and um, We used to run a bus ministry in uh, what would be called the hood. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was an interesting, it was an interesting place. Um, and there's great parts about Rockford, so don't, uh, don't, I, I'm not here to just make fun of Rockford. Well, you did leave there for Millbank, so clearly. But, but we did, <laughs> yes. Um, but we came out here um, to visit, my mother-in-law was living in LaBolt at the time, and we came to visit her, and I was like, where in the heck are we going as we were driving up? Now I know it was, we were coming up 15. Uh, so you've been off the interstate <laughs> <laughs> since like, uh, not, uh white toronto or whatever oh um, yeah off that exit and you're driving on this back road forever um because you come <laughs> from a city and everything's you know there's people everywhere it's developed and yeah. out here it was we were driving i thought we were gonna hit canada and so we get here and there's I and mean, we're, we're in labolt visiting my mother-in-law and i'm like nope this place is the end of the earth well, well, what were you visiting for uh she was living here and it, i think Just we were here stop and say hi for the fourth of july okay um, I think, yeah, we came and Mindy's brother came, uh, and we, we hung out here. <laughs> and then the next time we came, um, we took the kids to cook school and let them play at the playground. And, uh, well, first off, we, we wanted to see what the schools were like when we came out here. Cause I think I was, I was looking for a job when we moved out here, or when we were thinking about maybe that moving first out time here. or the second time, second out. time, um, <laughs> And we called the school and we're like, hey, would we be able to, you know, come take a tour? And we go to Cook School and there's no security, no nothing. I think we walk in, walk <laughs> around a little bit trying to find the main office. And they took us on a tour and it was it was great. Um, and then this was, it had to be near summer or for some reason the kids weren't there. But um, we took the kids to Cook School Playground and we noticed neighborhood kids coming up without a parent in sight. And that triggered triggered keyword so no you thought, man we should have brought our kidnapper van <laughs> yes no uh, it just reminded mindy and i both of times in our lives growing up where we lived in smaller towns and and had that you know that experience yeah. of of kids running around i i grew up in pella iowa for uh, my elementary and 
the first few middle school years. And it was one of those things that as long as we were home by five, we, we were all over that town, riding bikes, running all over, going to the pool. I mean, we just, it was still a great place to be as a kid and a great safe place to be for a family. And that we were reminded of that. And it was kind of a reminder that, okay, there are still places out there like that. And so we decided to up and move here. We put our house on the market. It sold. We came out here without jobs and uh, lived with my mother-in-law for... In La Bolt? In La Bolt, yes. Hey. We almost doubled the population by bringing a family of four. Uh, <laughs> How kind of you. Yes. And then you probably left. It was a big year for them. Uh, <laughs> That's why they go 10-year census. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want that blip. It was such a big year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, came out here and then I found work uh, in Watertown and we bought a house. And so you started working at a bank, correct? Yes. Worked at Wells Fargo. The evil Wells Fargo. Yes, Wells Fargo in Watertown. So uh, just to go down that political road for a second. Yes. At that time, were you guys incentivized or pushed to open up accounts for everyone, <laughs> as many as possible? Yeah. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, you You wanted to push as many products as possible on, and it was a sales job. And uh, at first, I, I just went in as a teller, which was great. So the only thing, yeah, you'd, hey, you don't have a debit card. Would you like a debit card? And I mean, you'd go through that whole process. But then as I transferred into being a banker, um, you had goals, and you had to make these goals. Did you get um, brought into the office if you didn't meet them? Yep. Really? Yep. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is those goals were set um, not necessarily um, based on population. So sometimes those goals were impossible to reach. You had to sell so many items, and there's only so many people. And we might have the same goals as maybe a banker down in Sioux Falls, or wow. where they never see that person again. And down here, you get to sit next to them at church <laughs> every week. Um, and so, yeah, I was in banking. I, I started out as a teller, became a lead teller, became a personal banker. Um, then a banker position came up or came available here in Millbank, and I transferred to Millbank. Um, How long were you here? In like, like, like working at the office in Millbank. In Millbank, I don't know, year and a half, two. Oh, that maybe? that's it. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't that long, honestly, because then the position came available over at Ortonville Area Health Services. Oh, yes. For you, for your family, for life. Um, and uh, wait, is this an ad? <laughs> bill me for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, position came available over there and tried uh, doing, that. Uh, what marketing? No. That was oh, that's right. Environmental Services Manager. I managed the housekeeping and laundry and janitorial positions at that time. How long did you do that? Two years. <laughs> I think that's the magic number for me. Except this this job, yeah. you've been there more than that now. Oh, let's see. Was that three years I did EVS Manager? And yeah. Yeah. So long story. Well, long story longer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was EVS Manager and... Uh, they found out that I had a little bit of a graphics background working for uh, in my previous uh, job, and so I started. And not the bank. Not the bank. No. Okay. So I started helping out, uh, help create ads and tweaks. And Was stuff. that while you were still cleaning the floors? Yes. Yes. Um, so I would help out the my predecessor, the uh, EV, uh, the marketing manager at the time. I'd help her make ads and make up, help make our forms look better and make advertisements look better and stuff and, and then she wanted to retire and so i applied for the position and got the position now i've been in that role 
I don't know, two years. <laughs> right, it's time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. Well, all right, and now that's the show. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks much for, for having me, Craig. In. I appreciate um, it. Pella, let's go back to Iowa. Yes. Uh, that is the town, isn't that the, the Swiss town? Dutch. Or the Dutch. Dutch. Uh, see, it's close. The Netherlands. Yes. Uh, is not is it not uh, a code, city code, that any new build has to- Has to have, has a, to have Dutch a, a Dutch front. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. Is that was it always that way? Like yeah, growing as, up, as long as I was there, yeah. yeah. Was that weird or cool? It was just it just was. what it was. I mean, that's and it was cool because you go around their main, <laughs> you go around their town square where they've got their uh, the tulip tower. Um, it's oh. just a giant tower in the middle the middle square i guess i can't even think of what it was tulip torn i think is what it's called <laughs> uh, anyway uh but all the buildings do have like uh, a nice dutch updated front mm-hmm. i mean they look historic and like you're walking down the streets of netherlands of the netherlands <laughs> the, the Nederland. yes but yeah it was that was a fun place to to live and uh r- grow up had some great friends and like i said we we were all over that town I remember the summers we would, I mean, go to the outdoor pool, ride your bikes there, go get some great pop at the pool, (laughs) ride home, ride to their house, and yeah, as long as you were home, by the time it was time to eat, or at least mom and dad knew where you were, yeah, you were good. But it was the kind of town where you'd get home and mom and dad knew where you were already, even if you didn't tell them. (laughs) And they know what you did wrong. And they knew what you did, yep. But uh, it was a great po- place. Population that says 10,255. Okay. That's, well, let's see. When were you there? Oh, jeez. 18, no. Um, that would have been. The 80s? 70s? 80s. Okay, 8,300 70s? Roughly. I was born in 79. I be- okay, so. barely. Come on. Yeah. April, you had more of that year than I did. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I was in Kearney, Nebraska for four years, and then we moved to. Okay. Um, yeah, moved to Pella, and I think we moved to. Ohio then in 1991-ish. So so that was middle school? Yes, uh, middle of my sixth grade okay. year. And then you graduated high school? Graduated high school from Bellbrook High School. And you were um, you were an athlete, yes? <laughs> I was the full-on jock, yes. Yeah. Um, that designation so football totally was me. was the sport, correct? Correct. And a- track. Any others? Oh, you didn't. And track. What did you do? I was a sprinter and a high jumper. Really? Yeah. How high did you jump? Highest I ever jumped was six feet. Yikes. And I'm six one. <laughs> Not bad. Highest in a meet was five ten. Okay. But yeah, that was always it, it was cool. We had a, a a high school track teacher or track coach who was according to folklore an alternate for like the eighty four Olympics and he knew it, he knew his stuff and he was great. So. Was that true, or did he just play that up? I don't know. I guess I've never looked it up. You know, my brother does work for the U.S. <laughs> right. Olympic Committee. Maybe I should double check that. He <laughs> might have an in on right if that's true or not. <laughs> but yeah, football was the main one. And you were um, not you were no slouch in high school, correct? I I played fairly well. Yes, uh, to, <laughs> I'm getting somewhere here <laughs> to the point of. Um, Looking at some for real schools, correct? There were some interested schools, yeah. correct? For a minute, at least. For a minute, yes. Yeah, um, yeah I had had interest as, so I started as a freshman, uh, or I lettered as a freshman. Um, 
And this, I mean, we were a larger school. I think in my class was 147 or 174. I always get that mixed up. I don't remember. Uh, but we were a larger school. Um, and yeah, I lettered as a freshman and then started as a sophomore, was the second leading tackler on our team as a sophomore. Um, and as a junior as well, cause the guy I was second behind was just a year older than me. So we just kind of always competed. And, um, so then, yeah, he graduated and I had interest from, uh, I, I had of course mailings and stuff from uh, Ohio state, Purdue, um, never the team up North. Um, those that are from Ohio know who that is. Um, but <laughs> university of Cincinnati was the one that had really showed interest in me and they, they had my dad and I come down for a tour as part of the, the top recruits in the tri-state area, took us to a, a UC basketball game, gave us tickets, and it was it was awesome. It was fun to go down there. A little wine and dining. A little wine and dining. Nice. Yep, try to recruit. Um, and then, so yeah. I, so I, you were, this was junior year? That was, yeah, my junior year. Um, and so, yeah, that would have been after my junior year. So, and yeah, uh, it was, it was cool. Um, so I had handwritten letters then from the coaches of the UC coaching tree and, uh, the funny kind thing of turns is, out to be nobodies in the, in the football world nowadays. Not necessarily. Well, yeah, <laughs> right? actually, actually, exactly. yeah, they are. Um, well, Rex, they weren't for Rex, a while. Rex Ryan was one of the coaches, uh, and, uh, John Harbaugh, the Baltimore coach. That's crazy. Yeah. So I've gotten a couple handwritten notes from those guys just encouraging me to, you know, keep working and that kind of thing and uh, and you know their standard standard message yeah. they probably sent to a thousand different kids so but yeah and then yeah my, then it all fell apart. then it all fell, fell apart the very first so i was captain of the team voted captain uh going into my senior year <clears throat> and uh very first hitting practice of my senior year we were in a, a drill where there was a two defenders a quarterback, two defenders versus three offensive players, basically. Uh, a down lineman, a linebacker for the defense, and then a, a lineman and a running back for offense. The quarter, quarterback just hands off the ball. Ten yards, you just stop them. And uh, I went up to make the tackle. No, I, I, I engaged the offensive lineman, and I stood up and locked my knee, and they tackled the running back into the side of my leg, and that was the end of my football <laughs> of career. Football career. Yes. Done. That was it. Oh. Never heard from any of those schools ever again. Um and I looked at a couple after I after I'd gone through surgery and I ran track that that year still, which at that point was kind of a feat mm-hmm. to be back and to run track. Um but and I looked at a couple division 3 schools for football and I was embarrassed <laughs> and too prideful to want to play football oh, right. at one of those. And yeah when the college auditorium was smaller than my high school auditorium, I was like, no. <laughs> so I went to Bible school instead, <laughs> a tiny, tiny little Bible school that isn't even a Bible school anymore. Uh, out in Oregon. Beautiful. Eugene, Oregon. hey Which is fascinating because I grew up an hour south of there. Yes. And uh, this very likely that we knew similar people absolutely or had crossed at some point cross paths at some point and that is just weird if you ever went to the blimpies in springfield i <laughs> might have been working there <laughs> blimpies what is it subs, Blimpy and subs yep. yeah yeah and tcby it was connected oh, yes. so yeah white yeah. chocolate moose Ooh. wow and you were there for uh let's see that would have been 98 98 yep well the end of 97 so 97 oh, yeah. yep yep 
97 through spring of 99. Why in the world that school? Because I grew up in an open Bible church, and that was the open Bible college. Mm. Um, And my brother happened to be going out there, and so uh, I had my cousin. Let's see, my cousin Eric was out there. I think I had two other cousins that had been out there. Um, So it was familiar. You grew up going to Mm -hmm. church camp every year, and... You'd see the group out there touring from that college. and Had you ever been out there before? I had, n- I went, no, the very first time I visited was right after I graduated high school to go, uh, there was a national convention growing up as a pastor's kid. That was our vacations. Anytime <laughs> there was a national convention. Right. Uh, so it happened to be in Eugene that year. So that was my first time ever going out to Eugene. And, That's crazy. And it's um, gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah. Granola. We miss that area. Yeah, very. Oh, yeah, so do I. <laughs> very hippie-ish. Yeah. But yeah. As long as you don't mind the smell of Rexius uh, or mulch. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Unless you know, unless you yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That mulch. It is miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I think is that New Hope Christian College? It now? is now. Yes. Yeah. And is it unaffiliated? No, it with... is still a th- uh, to open Bible, but <laughs> okay. it. Uh, what is it, Cord uh, Cordero? Yeah, sure. He had a a college in a, in Hawaii that was very successful. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they kind of came in and revamped the school. Beautiful campus, right up on the hill, twenty one fifty five Bailey Hill Road in Eugene, Oregon. Well, h- hello. I'm just on their website right now. Yeah. Um, hang on. We'll put it up on the screen. Okay. They have. A, um, Skinner's Butte Cross is up there, which was... Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a big deal for them to get up there. Oh, man, uh, yeah, look at that. Full-on production studio. Yeah, we didn't have anything like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they re- it says they recently added a brand new production studio. Students and instructors have already used it to produce various albums, independent music projects, video, and radio work. Nice. Man, it'd almost be worth looking at again. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not a... Well, and now it's accredited. The Deacons, yeah, they weren't very good at sports at that time. Okay, so okay, so the the athletic ad on here <laughs> is a guy <laughs> really flying through the air, and in the in bottom of the theater? picture, but in the bottom of the picture, you see the, the trampolines. Oh man, on. you do. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe cut that out. Yeah, just crop it a little I mean, higher. It's, it's like barely there. Just get rid of it. Oh, or maybe that would be deception. Yes. Wow, well, they, they have a decent look on the yeah, interweb, it, at least. Yeah, it really, a few years after we left, it really got nice. Really? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, yeah. Well, only 100 students, though. Yeah, very small. So that's small. Very small. That's cool. But had a lot of fun there. And you were there till when? There's Skinner's Butte Cross. Or Skinner's Butte Cross. Um, I was there, Mindy and I. So, so my wife and I met, actually, at National, well, okay. This long story is longer. Short story longer. Yeah, yeah I like it. Yep. <laughs> longer story longer. longer. Story, yeah. Um, Mindy and I have known each other uh, our whole lives. Basically, there's rumors that we shared a playpen at one point, and so because no, my d- parents. Just a second. There's rumors. This makes no sense to me. There's rumors. <laughs> Unconfirmed. Someone just pulled it out of the air. Okay, go ahead. Well, my parents and her parents went to Bible college. In Des Moines, Iowa, at, at the same time, Open Bible College, oh. at the same time. So okay. there's overlap there that that 
it's rumored that we were in a playpen at the same time at one point. You guys are both preacher kids. Both I see. preachers' kids. I knew it. And uh, we have known each other all our lives. We would see each other at vacation. Remember, vacations <laughs> right. were national conventions. Seminars, right. <laughs> Every two years, there was the national convention around the country, and those were our vacations. So I remember going to Florida, Colorado, Dayton. It was in Dayton. Uh, Des Moines was always a big one because that's where Open Bible, uh, you know, oh. the, the, it was founded or whatever. That's where it's at. Um, but so, yeah, we would see each other every two years. But the year I went out after I graduated high school, uh, there was this really good looking girl. <laughs> that Van Berkham girl was looking <laughs> looking pretty good. And uh, the I, the funny thing is, like, we'd known each other all our lives and she was a geek. I would look down at the pool and she'd be down there reading a book, sitting on a lounger, and I'm like, you know, eight or nine. I'm like, wow, <laughs> loser. <laughs> Strangely, that hasn't changed yeah, much. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, she's not a geek, but <laughs> she still just likes. She to likes s- to read a book. Sit and read. Um, but yeah, suddenly in '97, as I just graduated high school, and um, I looked really good. Um, so <laughs> I look over, and she's kind of cute. That Ben Burkham girl was cute, um, and. Uh, she thought I looked all right, and I put my moves on, and some of them worked, some of them didn't, and something worked. Yeah, uh, so we were kind of dating after. Kind of. Kind of dating like because just, she had to go back to high school, and I was uh, going to college in in Oregon. Um, so we're like, well, whatever happens, happens. Uh, we of course were, you know, instant messaging, AOL instant messaging <laughs> hey. all the time, uh, and. <laughs> So after I was out of college oh, for a while, uh, suddenly came around springtime, my freshman year at college, and she sent me an IM asking what I was doing some weekend because I wanted to know if I'd go to prom with her. And uh, because we had, we'd both kind of seen other and people. she and lived where? She lived time? in Rapid City. Bringing us back to South Dakota. Yeah, weird. Um, and so, yeah, her dad flew me in because she couldn't find a date. So Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else. No. Or she didn't want to find one. That's what I say. She <laughs> says course, she has absolutely. other opportunities, yeah. Oh, yeah. but I think it was a cry for help. <laughs> um, so, yeah, came back. And then the rest, we've been together ever since her, basically, yeah, since her senior banquet. They couldn't do a prom because she went to a tiny little Christian school and you can't do you a prom. You say with a smirk. Because <laughs> they can't dance. Well, her class right. was like 16 or 18 or something like that. That was how big her class was. And uh, so, yeah, their banquet. Hmm. So, yeah. That, and then she ended up going out to that school. And then school she went out to college. Also? Yep, she went, came out to she EBC. She followed you. Was that the goal? Absolutely. All right. I was worth it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, she came out the next year to college. And then come springtime, both she and I were feeling springtime of my sophomore year, her freshman year. This was 99, yep. Uh, just kind of felt, I mean, growing up in a in a pastor's home, you learn a lot of stuff already. Not that we knew everything or anything, but there was a lot of just like, oh, we've dealt with this since we were kids. Uh, and just looked at the, she's very, she's very uh, cost conscious, I'll say that. And we were just looking at the price of what college was costing us and the debt we were getting and realized, you know, let's, let's go back. Let's move back to Rapid City, where she was from, and then we'd maybe talk about getting married. So we up and moved in, I think that was probably March or something of 99, and moved back to Rapid City, South Dakota. 
So that was my first time living in South Dakota. Where were you married? Where, where did you get married? We got married in Piedmont, South Dakota. Wow. Yeah, which is, it was just beyond Blackhawk. <laughs> so there's Rapid City and then there's a few other, like, if you, yeah. Nothing it, towns? Nothing towns, but the Open Bible Church who her dad pastored, or the Open Bible Church that her dad pastored was in Piedmont. Mm. Um, so we got married in Piedmont November 5th of 1999. And yeah. So then you, how long were you there before you moved? Oh, two years. No. <laughs> Figured. No. Uh, we two actually. Years Oregon, yeah. Two years. Hmm. Yeah, this is crazy. We've been pattern. here a long time. Um, no, I think we were only there. We got married in November and we moved to, I don't even know if we were there a full year, married. Because then we moved to uh, Rockford, Illinois. And that's a roundabout story too. So I've. I, we could probably do two podcasts on just my my Their travels nomading around the the country around the middle of the country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know all the exciting areas totally, of the country. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the childrens were they both born in Iowa, uh, Ohio? Both born in Illinois, Rockford, Illinois. Illinois. Yes, yeah. Ohio. Sorry. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and so the impetus to move away from Rockford. Mm-hmm. What was that? I was actually out without a job at the time, and it was really that we wanted to get the kids into a school and let them graduate, because being pastor's kids, both Mindy and I moved within school years. Mm. And so, uh, and honestly, the move for me in sixth grade was pretty difficult, because I was, you know, the the chubby new kid in sixth grade um, with gelled hair like crazy <laughs> um and the only locker was av- that was available was in the middle of the eighth grade hallway and it was just so um it was an awkward time for me anyway um no athleticism just a chubby little kid um and so that was it was very difficult to move a great group of friends in pella iowa to move away from them to being this outcast basically um and yeah, that, it it was difficult. So we wanted to make sure the kids got into a school. They graduated because I was always jealous of seeing my classmates, and they had these relationships with people that, I mean, yeah. they from know kindergarten from up. kindergarten up. They they know every and even you, you watch Facebook now or social any social media, and you see those friends. They're still as tight as can be uh, in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. They they have these friendships that will overcome anything and and last forever and i i wanted that for my kids because i never felt like that um never really felt probably until middle of high school like i was part of uh, the bellbrook golden eagles but well when you were the star of the team that helped that helped <laughs> till you ruined it yeah darn knees um so the the look just the idea to look at Millbank was just simply because of proximity to Mindy's mom, correct? That yeah, yeah. There's still many times we're like, <laughs> what are we thinking? We drove through <laughs> Wisconsin to get here. It's gorgeous in Wisconsin, <laughs> and we chose here. But we both prefer like. Don't get me wrong. I I I do love Wisconsin, especially in the fall. You go, yeah, to trees. It's just, gorgeous. It's yeah. gorgeous. But we like pasture. I, I really like farmland and pasture, and I, I love in the fall after harvest, and the the fields are just like perfectly flat, and it's I love the haze in the air mm-hmm. from the cutting. And I, so we we yeah really like the feel out here. So, but yeah, the only reason we moved out here was 
at that point, Mindy's mom was out here and we had some connection and decided to choose here. What, uh, was there anything other than the school that really attracted you? I, just small town life was, mm-hmm. was an attractant. Did uh, proximity to big city have any effect? I mean, we we're two hours away from really anything. At that point, I don't think it did. Yeah. Um, because we were leaving, leaving the big city, I mean, it was nice. I mean, when, yeah, you need anything, you go to, go to Watertown. Oh, yeah. 45 yeah. minutes. Um, which, moving from a city to here, 45 minutes, you're like, well, I was driving 45 <laughs> minutes to Walmart anyway. I went three miles. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, proximity was, was, not a huge factor, but it, it helped. Um, helped make it more acceptable, I think. Well, the fact that you moved here and worked in Watertown. Yeah. Is. Yeah. So did you just like the commute? <laughs> Funny story I mean, is. Why, why not Watertown? I mean, did you even consider looking there to live? It didn't have that small town feel. Okay. Like like Millbank did. Um, yeah. Was it not South Dakota's rising star at the time? It was. I, oh. I do remember seeing that slogan all the time. <laughs> that was still the rising star at that point. But no, it, it there was just something comfortable and um and it had nothing to do with the people, which is funny at that point because <laughs> those that know me know I'm not a super um people. I, I I love people, I I do, and I will. But I'm an introvert, totally an introvert, <laughs> and so um it it wasn't the fact that people the people were great, even though they are. Don't get me wrong, but it was yeah, just a. Seemed like a nice place to raise a family and Had, let them, yeah, get into a school and graduate from. Has it changed? In my, uh, what do you mean? Well, I mean, has, has the community, does it seem different now looking back over the last, whatever, uh, 10 or 12 years? I, in my mind, and it's our, probably more our involvement than anything. I think it's gotten better, um, like at that point, every everyone was you know waiting for Big Stone too. Yeah, it was gonna happen, yeah. and you know, I, I feel like the town was in a weird transition moment at that point because it's kind of in a limbo though. Yeah, like there was a is it gonna happen? Is it or is it isn't it? Yeah. And it, it kind of was just waiting. And I think honestly, now that that hasn't gone through, people have just moved forward mm-hmm. and not waited to see what's gonna yeah. happen. And um, I mean, it was yeah hearing. Here and it was hard to find a house during that, but we we <laughs> luckily found one and have worked on that a lot. But um, no, I think it's gotten better. I love, I love that. Uh, it, I I love what what has happened to see the businesses grow and to see um, a lot of Main Street change over and be refurbished a little bit is awesome. I was sad when we first visited. Uh, the old, I think it was the Zem's sign, the Zem's bakery sign was on Main Street still. And it was just a cool old... Uh, no, prob- it wasn't open at the time, was it? No. Okay. No. But it was an old enamel mm-hmm. sign hanging up. It was just a cool looking old sign. Um, but that was gone. But yeah, it was just a nice area. And I mean, when we were living in LaBolt, we used to go to the LaBolt Dam all the time. We've got tons of pictures of the kids out there. Oh, jump, that's cool. Jumping off And now that. you still do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... That's pretty it's cool. fun. Now we go out there and play disc golf, and no, it's it, it's great to see a small progressive town. I mean, it, it is a small town that is trying to be a bigger town, and I feel like they're doing a pretty darn good job of it. Do you think some of that has to do with uh, the fact that Millbank does kind of service 
several smaller communities. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. It kind, of, it kind of is a, a mini hub. hub. It yeah. is. Yeah, it is. I mean, Millbank then goes to Watertown and Sioux Falls. Yep. Maybe Aberdeen if you need to. Um, but the other little ones kind of come right here. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, we have brand new runnings. We've got a um, Chinese restaurant. A, a Chinese restaurant. There's Boom. Two Mexican restaurants now. Yep. Um, some fast food. Yep. A decent greasy diner. Yeah. Um, and Shopco. And a brand new hospital. Yeah. <laughs> not not the one that you're uh, <clears throat> marketing, but no. <laughs> um, but you know, but but I I do think that Millbank has it really. It is that trying to go forward a little. Yeah. Bit. They're they're at least trying. There's there's a lot of small towns that uh, we visit. Even my daughter plays volleyball, and even as you visit some of these towns that they play, mm-hmm. um, some of those schools, it, it doesn't feel like there there's the industry that we have here. Now a lot of that is cheese factory. Do, do you think without Valley Queen, oh. Melbank would just be nothing? It would. F- yeah, I think it would feel very similar to some of those other small towns that you. You drive through and and wonder what wonder what this town used to be like. Yeah. Um. But I mean, brand new hotel. I mean, there's yeah. there's people who are making Millbank better, and that's awesome. As long as pe- there's as long as people continue to try to do that, it it's gonna be a great little town. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't ever foresee us, you know, breaking the ten thousand mark. Well, I I think you lose what Millbank is. Absolutely, if you do that. Absolutely, I almost think you, if we doubled to seventy five hundred, it then we, a, we would lose. It'd be a pretty different place. Yeah, because my my parents moved here a couple of years ago now from Oregon, and that was one of the things you know because we're we're doing this whole why Millbank project, trying to at least get the story of Millbank mm-hmm. documented and try to figure out why people live here. Yep, and. At one point, my mom said, uh, you really should stop doing that. Be careful because if you make it sound too good, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get too many people moving in and then it's going to change. Oh, and I think at some level that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. But <laughs> but as long as they watch the weather during the winter, they're most likely that's not going to make the move. <laughs> right. Yes. But, but, but it, it's a crazy thought because, you know, I talk to high school kids and that idea that, you know, it's great, crime is low, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, then when you consider, yeah, we still have crime. Mm-hmm. It just is the percentage oh. is the same. Yeah. But that just happens to be fewer people. Yep. Well, you double our population. Yep. A lot of things change. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I don't know if that would be good. Yeah. I don't know either. Well, good. Do you feel that uh, city infrastructure needs to um, expand? And by that, I mean... Um, mainly park systems. Like, do we need bike paths that wander all over? Do Absolutely. we need an outdoor pool? Do we need um a more uh athletic parks outside? I mean, are, are those things um? Well, first off, are they sustainable in a town the size we are? And is it is it necessary? As much as I would love to see an outdoor pool, they're so expensive, and I don't know. I don't know if that would be a wise decision. I know they used to have one here, yeah. and, and they become a many pit. Um, especially, oh, yeah, but you ask people the nostalgia of it. That's yeah. all they remember. Yeah. But, of course, they were the kids, not the people having to deal with it. Exactly. Um, yeah, memories are great. I mean, but when you have to actually pay for some of that stuff, <laughs> it it's a little yeah. little more questionable. Um, absolutely. I, one, one you talked about, bike paths. Absolutely. I would love to see us become a little bit more bike friendly in the area. Um, 
because it's hard. I mean, I was training to do our ride last year. I rode across the state of Iowa in Ragbri. Um, and a lot of that training, you're riding right out there, and our roads don't necessarily have great shoulders. And you, Do they in Iowa? A lot of places will have a wider shoulder, or they'll have a beautiful bike path alongside the road. Um, oh, like a secondary Secondary. Path. You okay. don't have to worry about traffic mm-hmm. at all. Um, and it's it's not... Uh, sure, you get on County Road 4, especially after they put the new tar down. <laughs> it was wonderful. That's a great road. But uh, riding There up, is no shoulder on that road, though. Not much. But thankfully, the traffic's not right. too bad. Um, but riding, even just riding north on 15, there's, there's some places where there's not a lot of shoulder. Um, now, going from here to Ortonville on 12, there's a nice wide shoulder, but there's a lot of cars, too. And so... It's just not relaxing riding at all. We had the chance to ride on a bike path over in Minnesota, and it was, I, I don't know if it was an old train thing or whatever, one that had been converted, but it was awesome. I think it was like a 12-mile uh, bike path off to the side of the road. There was a little ditch between you even, and it was just so much more relaxing. So I would love to see all of our parks connected somehow with a bike path because also in town, you're not supposed to ride. You're supposed to ride in the road. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to ride on sidewalks. Um, but it, it gets tough when there's cars parked out on the road. Uh, not everyone is as, uh, you know, nice with bikers as they should be, I mean, to share the road. So I would love to see that. You can always, you can always sustain your basic parks. Um, I, I love disc golf and I think if we promoted Pribble Park a little bit more or even put in an, another nicer disc park somewhere, I think that would go over well. Do you think the city should be the one responsible for footing the bill and, and the maintenance and the, um, uh, in, like, setting it up? And that, Well, that's, that's a good question. That's a great question. I'm glad yes, you asked that's that. that's right. <laughs> um, there, there are a ton of disc golf parks across the country that are private. Yeah. Um, it's someone's private land. They've put it in. They maintain it. Um, but there are. Do they charge for it, or is it still some, kind of open? Some will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I mean, it's still nothing compared to uh, ball golf. Yeah. Um, but there are quite a few that are city. Um, but I don't believe it would. It should be up to the parks department to put in new tee pads. I mean, that money should be raised by those that play. Start mm-hmm. a start a An league association or something. Yeah. yeah, and you know, take care of it this year. You know, throw in some tee pads next year. You know, throw some flags up. Throw some signage up. I mean, it's it's little things like that that shouldn't be on the yeah. park. Um, now, granted, any like large piece of uh, you know playground equipment, maybe yeah, maybe that is the responsibility of of the city and the parks department. But um, I don't know. I have to take that up with Leslie. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. Ron might might uh, squash it. <laughs> um, do uh, the fact that we have what six about six months in reality mm-hmm. of Winter. Weather that, uh, yeah, but of weather that is is um, amenable to riding a bike, sure, uh, on a path. Does it make financial sense for a city to take take the land and to actually make it work to to do bike like uh, connecting paths all sure. over? Because then, if you open them, that's more time plowing them. Yep. F- to what end? Yep. I mean, or does it become a, a snowmobile path during the winter? I don't know. Or there, you know, just across the border, there's a lot of fat bike riders, and really? they they ride, put some studded tires on, and, and all, all ride year. all weather. Um, but no, that that's a good point because 
Yeah, it's hard. You don't get a lot of people that want to ride once it gets below 40 degrees, honestly. Um, you only did because you had to, right? <laughs> yeah, I haven't yet this year uh, or even the end of last year. Uh, but yeah, as I had a goal, sure, we were out there a few times and it was dumb, cold. Um, but even just the, the safety issue of having kids as they're walking to school on a path instead of walking, not everyone has sidewalks. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people, the kids are walking out in the streets. So I think for a safety issue alone, that helps push that forward and make it uh, a, a wise move um, just for safety as mm-hmm. well. And it's great when the weather is nice, especially those first few spring days or even if we get a warm April day or something like that, people out walking, running, you see the bikes out. And I think it would get used a lot yeah. and ultimately make people happier and healthier because you know, come April, it's been a long winter. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. people are ready to do something. Um, and and we do have the the nature trail, which is out there. But be nice to connect to that and right. make a big, yeah. nice loop where you don't have to be on a public road very much. Right. Obviously, you're going to cross, but um, it'd be nice. Wish you, list. Yeah. Do you cook? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> do you like to cook? I do. I enjoy cooking. Yeah. You have a thing? Stir fry is probably my thing. Really? Yeah. You have a walk? Or yeah, you just, we have okay. a big old walk. Nice. Big walk. Love that. We uh, got that a few years ago in San Francisco, and um, yeah, we, we cook stir fry at least once a week, and we buy the big 40-pound bag of rice, and <laughs> yep, yeah, we stink up the house, open up all the windows. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's probably my main main thing. But I cook some other things, of course, grilling and that sort of thing. But yeah, stir fry is probably my main one. Uh, you guys got into kayaking yes. recently? Yes, a few years a back. Years ago? A few years back, just as we wanted to, again something to do with the kids mm-hmm. in the nice months we do have here, we got some kayaks and love it because we camp a lot, and so we typically camp at the state parks. Pribble is one of the main, or not Pribble, <laughs> Pickerel, yeah. Pickerel, Pickerel, yeah. <laughs> We we camp down here at Purple Park, you know. We kayak down the you know the slough, the the mosquito breeding ground. Um, no, we we go to Pickerel Lake a lot and Roy Lake. And uh, one year we picked up a kayak and love it. I absolutely love kayaking. I've there's been days I've sat out there four or five hours just fishing. Um, and I used to hate fishing until I got into the kayak to do it because it's just you're alone. You're not fixing the kids. Uh, snags the whole <laughs> so, time so it's because they're old enough to do their own <laughs> yeah <laughs> that it's all right you're not having to put the bait on for them and like the first yeah. time i took the kids fishing which i i i'm not I, i'm not a fisherman let's just get that out of the way and so i was like i'm gonna teach my kids to fish i don't know what i'm doing so i go <laughs> out there i didn't fish at all i spent the day like oh you you lost your bait okay here's some more oh i'll fix that not oh here use my pole and i, I spent the entire day making helping them fish and they didn't even care right <laughs> like so we ne- for a while i was like we're not fishing because that's a waste of time but yeah then once i got in the kayak I, it's the peacefulness of it yeah. and getting in there to those spots you don't get with a boat right uh, right up next to shore the place that there's no place on shore to stand and cast mm-hmm. but i'm sitting there under the spider webs and yeah doing that it's great so yeah um <laughs> Let's talk about your thoughts on the current state 
of the NFL. Oh. <laughs> Again, this I mean, might be a, another podcast. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, football, ever since I've known you, which is 10 years now, mm-hmm. um, the the orange and black stripy helmet team. Yes, who day is, is is your team? Who day? I'm for, a Bengals fan. For whatever fan. reason, I don't know. Yes, but that they are. Um, you have been up until this year, <laughs> I believe. It's kind of been a a thing. This this year, yeah. What I, changed? The rules, the the rules to take the defense out of the game changed my love for the game i used to love i would sit down and i would watch the first game the second game and then i'd watch the evening game on a sunday i tricked mindy into well she might have tricked me i don't know one way or the other i'm like hey i will fold laundry and i'll just keep the laundry going all sunday if i can just sit here and watch tv watch football a win-win i thought totally. and it did it worked for a while but uh this year the game is just different um i love i played defense um and so i love a good defensive game now, granted, I love a great offensive, you know, one great play here and there that just blows the defense away. But the game this year, to me, has been, first off, confusing because I don't know what a penalty is anymore, and I think that was exhibited in the games last weekend. <laughs> okay, I don't know if many people know what they are. Exactly. You look at that play, and in my understanding of the rules, which, granted, is nothing because it's so confusing. You're talking the uh, New Orleans The New Orleans uh, game. LA game. Yeah. If uh, let's say that was Vontez Burfecht, who's a Bengals linebacker who has had a history of playing Hurting people, playing on the edge of retro, we'll just call nice. it retro. Um, who, who was that old guy that played for the Raiders? He was a uh, what, way back in the eighties. Oh, in the eighties, um, um, blonde mustache. Uh, I can't remember. One of my neighbor's moms had his poster in their house. Bosworth. I, was, I don't no. know. I can't remember. He he was like terrible. Now, the Raiders were, I mean, they were evil back then. Yeah. They might still be, but they were miserable humans. <laughs> it's like they got all the convicts to play. <laughs> Sorry, go on. And and they were successful in uh, that I time, guess. too. Um, but, yeah, had that been Vontez Perfect, he would have, first off, been thrown out of the game for making that hit because technically the helmet hit first, from if I recall the play correctly. So leading with your helmet is one penalty. Um, a defenseless receiver, that is the most confusing call I've ever even heard because half the time they're defensive defenseless half the time they're not um and then uh pass interference i mean pass interference is pass interference you're not supposed to make contact with the receiver before the ball's there clearly in my opinion that was pass interference at least and so in this year of making the game safer and taking you know head injuries out they didn't call anything on that and that it, that's just so confusing. And early on in the season, the whole, you know, the defender can't fall on the quarterback if they're taking the quarterback down. I lost respect for the NFL at that because that's ridiculous. And it, it's, it's sad, but I was like, someone is going to get hurt. As someone who had a knee injury, I said, someone is going to get hurt. And sure it, enough. Because you, these big guys have to stop their energy, right? And try to shift so they're in midair or mid-drive mm-hmm. as their knees are planted or feet are planted. Wearing cleats stuck to the ground, they have to try to contort their body so they don't fall on the the princesses. Because in football, aren't you trained, and maybe that's different now, but aren't you trained to get the ball? Isn't that the goal? Uh, Not always. Well, but okay, if you're a lineman and the quarterback has the ball, you are getting you're that go- guy. Yeah, you're going that's after the, the guy with the ball. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. now you can't if it's a certain guy. You can, but you just have to do it very delicately. 
and that it, it totally insane. it totally changed the game. And yes, there have been many players who uh, have you know suffered the effects of concussions and all that stuff. And I don't want to minimize that, but it's a dangerous game. Uh, play the game. Okay, so then I guess to go farther down that road, should it be? I mean, should we just shut down football? No. Should we give them little flags to pull out now and just be done with the contact sport? No, because there's enough younger audience that loves the Madden scores. Mm. When you play Madden football on it's all about console, offense. it's all about offense. It's not about defense. And so they love that game this year. I think it was the Rams that it was a game that... Oh, it's 50s, in the 50s, each team, right? Yeah, yeah, it was just insane. I didn't watch it at all because I'm like, I don't care. I want a good defensive. I want a 3-9 to nine game. Mm-hmm. One of those games that it's just hard-fought, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> just the classic smash-mouth yeah. football. But it, that's not what it's about. And the guys that make the biggest money now are, I mean, they're the quarterbacks, they're... They're bringing in good money. They're bringing in good revenue for these places. So I understand so, why so they're trying dollars. to protect them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And more people, more people like the fun, high-scoring, energetic games than the defensive games. But don't isn't there this lust for action and for aggression? I mean, heck, MMA is huge. Why? It's not boxing anymore. No. It's it's better than that. Yeah. You get to use everything and beat them up and yeah. bleed. Bloody them. Yeah. And, and potentially kill them. That's fine. Fight we like it. This is the Coliseum again. Yeah, exactly. That's no longer what football is. No. It used to be a hard-hitting game. I mean, geez, you go back and look at some early Palomalu hits. Oh, yeah. I mean, you blow the guy out of his shoes almost. Yep. You can't do that no. anymore. No, because you might hurt his feelings. <laughs> You think it's that? <laughs> They're delicate. <laughs> They're special flowers. No. <laughs> They're trying to, as these athletes have gotten bigger, stronger, and faster, they're trying to make the game safe. And I think in the end it will work out for the for football just fine. But what I liked about the game was the big hits, mm-hmm. was those. And unfortunately, a big hit is dangerous for the person getting hit. Um, it's the same reason. How many people watch NASCAR for the accidents? But what else are you going to do? But, but yeah, you, you think about the accidents are dangerous, very dangerous for the person mm-hmm. in the accident. Yeah. But that's part of the sport. Okay. So if, if hitting a helmet against another helmet mm-hmm. in, you know, offense to defense or defense to offense, if that is so bad and dangerous, why mm-hmm. is it not banned? Same team celebration. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't that be the same? If it's about sure. safety of the player, shouldn't they ban celebrations where they smack their heads into each other? Absolutely. Or maybe they're building up a tolerance to it. I don't know. But they're not allowed to use it against the other team. No, so it, you can't use it as a weapon, which I think that's been written on the back of those helmets since, I, I think, in high school. or For in, real? In, this is not a weapon? Oh, the, yeah. The, there's been a warning on the back of Riddell helmets since... I. Since I've ever played football. I that mean, just so says you could die? Many years. Yeah, it's dangerous. Okay. You can, I mean. Well, that's just to take their liability out of the game. But the men wearing those helmets years ago suddenly didn't realize football was such a dangerous <laughs> <Right>. game. <laughs> yeah. When They used to wear leather hats. With the, Which I honestly, <laughs> I honestly feel, and I've said this for a few years, take the plastic battering ram off the guy's heads. Oh. And they won't use it as a battering ram. That's true. Yeah, you have a 220 pound running back 
coming at you and you have either flesh and bone or plastic, which are you going to hit him with? Mm-hmm. The, the plastic. <laughs> I mean, it's a weapon and it it's it's your most protected part of your body at that point. Yeah. So that no wonder people use it first. Uh, do you think the XFL will be successful? Probably not. Why? <sighs> I mean, Vince is bringing it back. It's been tried before. Well, yeah, but but that was before the NFL turned kind of Soft. sissy. Yeah. It could be, but I don't think it will. You could reserve your 2020 season tickets now. It kick off February 2020. It could be, but you look at arena football. Arena yeah. football was always a little rougher um, because they could throw, they could hit the guy into the wall oh, and yeah, everything. Oh yeah, because it's padded. Um, and that's never. I mean, it's it's always been fairly big, but it can't compete with the NFL. Do you think that that the NFL has lost because of the whole anthem controversy? Sure. Do you think that that has pulled enough? interest away if you couple that with the change in the rules that that does you know takes the, the defenders like you out mm-hmm. of the interest um would you be interested in looking at another league that might go back into some of that more uh rough and tumble play it'll be successful until there is a major injury and then suddenly people will be shocked and it'll be like oh that guy's really hurt and I think that will take the stigma from mm-hmm. it because whether they sign the waiver or not saying, yeah, I'll play a dangerous game yeah. and I'll do this, um, it'll become real when that pers- that first person is really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so on that, I understand trying to make the game safer and make it last a long time. Um, I just, as a older fan, I don't like the changes. But I think the changes will allow the young, and younger kids are learning how to tackle differently than we were told. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were told to put the put your helmet on the ball or in their sternum. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> that's where it went. Yeah. Use this thing. Use yeah. your face mask. Put that in his chest. He'll go down, and he won't want to come across the middle again. <laughs> so <laughs> the rules are different, and kids are being taught different, and so I think it's sustainable. I just don't like the change. <laughs> what do you think instant replay has done to the NFL? Or or oh. the, the challenge flag? I kind of like the idea of being able to challenge any... You get two challenges, mm-hmm. like what... I think Belichick's pushing for that again. You get two... It might not even be Belichick's pushing for that. But you, you can review anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Um, but until they write these rules so they're black and white... It's going to be a pain and instant replay is going to take absolutely forever yeah. because they are so, there's enough gray area in there. Like the one a few years ago where what is a defenseless receiver? Well, they have to take <laughs> right. it's like a two half steps step, and right. then make a football move while, you yeah. know, dancing. I, it, there were so many, well, what's a football move? Well, a football move is a step, but, you know, it, it was just so obscure that it was open to um, interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the rules can't be. It either needs to be yes or no. These are the criteria that right. makes it, and the criteria need to be very specific and very defined. So to do that, do you almost have to limit the rules? Like ne- take it down to fewer? 
The, compl- just, the complication is when you throw so many out there. You just have to simplify. You can't expect these referees to know every rule they've just created yesterday. And and I will say these referees have an incredibly hard job. Mm-hmm. These are incredibly fast men. <laughs> right. Yeah, we see it in slow motion. That's not how they saw yeah, it. We get to see it like 10 times and then we're like, oh, I can't believe you missed that. But it happened in like yeah. the split second. I Kudos to any referee because I couldn't do it. Um, and so I respect that position a lot. But it's the rules are so obscure and they're so open to interpretation, I think, is my issue with a lot of that stuff. And I, I think that's the problem with instant replay. And it doesn't help when you have the former vice president of a, officiating in the booth. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, from what I'm seeing, Second that's, guessing the, that's, yeah. that's clearly a turnover. Yeah. I, I think this call will get turned over. And, well, the play on the field stands. And I mean, they, it, <laughs> they contradict each other more yeah. times than not. Um, and so that alone should be... Let's re-examine these rules and make sure they're easy to at least call the rule based on the rule book. Mm-hmm. And then you get a number of calls where they call it based on the rule book, and it really doesn't make sense. Like all of these, like the Des Bryant catch from years ago that wasn't a catch, even though, yeah, because he, he hit the ground. And it's so, so obscure. And we play the game in slow motion. Now and in high, uber in high definition, high definition yeah. slow motion. Oh, yep, there is a tiny blade yeah. of grass between his yep. foot and the line. Yep. It's no longer a touchdown. But but yeah, those calls like when you really nitpick every frame. Yeah, you like, can't. like well, like some of the catches from Sunday. Yep, you know six angles they've got around this guy, and you see oh it, oh you're right, he didn't really have it there, and it, it was just that didn't touch you his can't thumb. See that? But what about his left thumb? Yeah. Because I think from that other angle, it looks like. Okay, if they can overturn uh, a catch mm-hmm. on that much detail, why can't they reverse a penalty call? Because it wasn't challengeable. Well, well th- it should be. And that's that's what I think we will see in the upcoming years. I think they'll make that the coach has two challenge plays. But th- that did throws the game out to me. What's, I mean, if you can challenge every call, why have referees? Just have this robot watching. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the guys up in the top for each team, they get, oh, we're going to challenge what they said. But you only get two, and it'll okay. still cost you timeouts. Okay. Um. So I don't think it'll slow the game down anymore. Mm-hmm. It'll just take some of those plays that didn't get called, like this, the call in that game. That should have been something they could challenge, like, at least have the conversation, like, okay, explain right. why that isn't pass right. interference or why yeah. that isn't yeah. any of the or, other. Or even the one where the guy got called and roughing the passer with Brady. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he Brady has his, the ball is in his hand still. He yeah. didn't even throw it. And the and, guy reached around the defender and slapped him. Yep. And apparently brushed his helmet, maybe. I don't think he actually, like. I think that's what the referee, again, in real time, Yeah. it looked like he might have slapped his helmet. But, but he came down in front of his helmet. Yeah. It, from the but replay that I watched. changed the game. Absolutely. Because that penalty, first down. Absolutely. So I would, as a coach, I would love to be able to challenge one of those mm-hmm. game pivoting right. plays. And it's worth your, it might be worth your time Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And so I, I would love to see them be able to challenge anything, but you only still only get two. Hmm. Think that'll happen? I think well, it they're, might. they're talking now. Apparently. I think it might move that way. New, you know, some they're thinking of new changes. Well, after now that the league is being have. sued, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> and uh, I think there was a was it Louisiana's rep on the floor of the house, basically called the game a a travesty or something like that. Yeah, and the, 
Uh, old uh, a, a Smith. What's his name? I'm not uh, sure. No, the commentator on ESPN. Uh, Adam A. What's his name? Uh, Schefter. No, no, no. Smith is the last name. Anyway, he's a blowhard. Stephen. Stephen A. Smith. Okay, that's the one. Um, anyway, <laughs> once you once you said blowhard, I knew who you were. <laughs> right. He uh, he's saying that game that loss is on the league. That's the league's fault. But uh, but what does that mean? To say it's on the league is one thing, but what does it mean? What's the fix? Or does it matter? I mean, if we're really honest, does it really matter? Other than now we've got this awesome news cycle. Yeah. That is just people can be mad and really happy Ab- all together. Absolutely. So, and we can, in in the palm of our hand, I can go back and look at that play a thousand mm-hmm. times and question it for the next year and a half until the next play happens. In the olden days, you watched it on Sunday, and unless you taped the game, exactly, it was over. <laughs> you, it was over. Yeah, like man, I that that play. I, I wonder if that should have been called. No, now we can review it and talk about it ten days mm-hmm. later, still, and still be just as fired up over it. Yeah. Um. So it is. It, it is on the league a little bit that the rules need to change, and they need to be. I think the rules of football need to be simplified. Which I know that that sounds so naive when you really look at everything but it seems like you can do that yeah but that's just my opinion thank you for listening (laughs) when did you start playing music i started let's see i don't know i i first sang at like four years old i think we sang as a family in church Oh so, yeah, and so we would regularly get up there and sing because we were always on the rotation yeah. for the special numbers. So <laughs> I started singing at a young age. I didn't start music till what recorder, fourth grade, fifth grade. I started playing drums in school. Oh, you actually did yep. percussion. Yeah, I was I was a percussionist. Hmm. Yeah. When did you quit that? <laughs> I played that. Did through, you go all the way through through high school? Yeah, <laughs> really. I was, Yep. Couldn't when do mar- couldn't do marching band as a football player. That was you could not. Oh, it was yep. like you weren't allowed to. One or the other. Yeah. Mm. So which was awesome because then I had a basically another free period every <laughs> to, year. To do what? <laughs> yeah, just I would <laughs> just hang, hang out, out in the yeah. band room because we had a good marching band, a, an incredible marching band that they would like when we were running two a days for a football practice. They were running two a days really for marching, and they would go to nationals every year and compete in Indianapolis. That's and, crazy. So they were serious, but yeah, so I would just sit in the band room and jack around. Just, <laughs> yeah. Of course, man, if only I'd have had a phone back then. <laughs> oh, man. I no, it would have been bad. It, would, it probably would have been bad. <laughs> yeah. um, when did you play, When did you pick up guitar? I picked up guitar in college. Really? Yep. Bought my, a tailor and went for it. No, well, <laughs> kind of. Um, my roommate had a guitar, an old Eterna, which was Yamaha's lower line. And I, w- what happened is I got into a band out in college. I was a drummer in a band, but I couldn't always play my drums. And so my roommate had a guitar and I took songs that I grew up playing in church and sat down with a chord book, a guitar or the the chord sheet, the guitar and a book that showed me how to play (laughs) the the chords and just kind of figured it out and kind of. That worked out. (laughs) It worked. Yeah, it worked. I play. I like to play. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Little Wayne's World reference right there. Movie (laughs) reference. Isn't there a ding? Yeah, there we go. You're, Sorry. You're I'm slacking. Dinger's it's broken. In wrong, it's in the wrong spot. <laughs> um, so it was college. The, at what point did you say, that? yep, this is where I want to go, and you just did it more? 
Because you're no slouch I, at this point. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, well, I had... So my freshman year, I was... Freshman year in college, I was in band. We played a few shows around town um, <laughs> and then came back my sophomore year and like no one else was there from the band, like back at college. And so we didn't pick up anything. So I played with the... Uh, like the church or the the college band a couple times for we had our weekly chapel that we'd play at there played mostly drums there but uh no singing at that point i sang a little bit Mm. as well um because yeah i I grew up playing in church playing drums in church and singing from the drums um but uh my what was it yeah after the spring of 99 uh my i went and i had a, a inheritance left to me a thousand dollars left to me and i wanted to invest it in a nice acoustic guitar i didn't know how to really play very well i knew like four chords and (laughs) had rhythm that's about all i had um but i wanted to go buy a nice guitar so i went all around eugene and played every guitar that i could find under a thousand dollars or in that price range and um found this little store and i don't even know the name of it because it was just this house that had beautiful guitars. They yes, had I've been there. High end Paul Reed Smiths. They had Is everything. it not near Autzen Stadium? Just off that it is might, that university? It, it might be over in that yeah, area. I, I think I've been there once because it was the Martin dealer. Yeah. And he, I think the Taylors. He had Martins, yep. Taylors. He had the Takamanis in there with the Koa on it. I mean, he had the higher end <laughs> Takamanis. And so what I did is I sat down with every guitar that I could afford, the upper end that I could afford. And I settled on this nineteen ninety eight um taylor 310 ce uh, that was their low line at the be- at that point that was their their beginners that's the <laughs> cheapest guitar you could get from taylor at the how time. much was it that was a thousand seventy five dollars um hard shell case said taylor in the skb case and everything <laughs> it was so cool um so i bought that guitar and started strumming on it and it was my baby i took care of it and uh played a couple there was one guy from the band that was still at school and uh he and i played a couple things where i would play guitar and we'd sing together and those weren't went really well but it was just a side hobby i was a drummer who knew how to play guitar and had a nice guitar um and then we moved back to rapid city and uh the the band for the church needed a bassist and so Why not? I, so I picked up the bass. I, Mindy bought me a bass, $300 Spectre NS4, I think it was. Beautiful neck Ooh, through. Nice. Red maple neck. I bet you don't have that anymore. Yeah, but that's not the bass I miss the most. <laughs> no. uh, so I was playing bass for a while. I really I really enjoyed bass. That was a lot of fun. Um, but then we figured out after a few months of doing that, that the guy that was playing drums was actually a bassist. And I was a bass. I was a drummer, drummer playing, playing bass. bass. So we swapped, and then I just played bass just for fun. I never really played it out or anything. Um, and then we moved to another church, and I played some drums a little bit there, and then became the the main bassist uh, every Sunday morning and Saturday night. Um, so guitar, and then I played a little guitar. So it's yeah, it's just kind of been. Guitar, I, I don't even know what my main instrument is because <laughs> I enjoy them all. And lately I've been missing my bass most. I had a, uh, let's see, this probably was 2000, uh, what year was it, 2001 or 2002? I bought a beautiful um, Ernie Ball bongo. Are you kidding me? HH4 or something like that, bright orange. Um, It was beautiful. 
bought it brand new off the floor from uh is that their music man line guitar center it's the funky toilet shaped one toilet seat shape mm-hmm. um it's beautiful i i played it so i went there i had the money i was ready to buy a new bass one way or the other i was leaving with a bass so i tried a stingray sounded awesome it was beautiful um nine volt preamp beautiful gorgeous round sound and i plugged in and the the stingray has one humbucker i plugged in this bongo two humbuckers 18 volt preamp nice <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like <gasps> thunderous and i'm like yes this is the one it was gorgeous bright orange um and yeah i, I sold that a few years after we moved here because we were short on funds oh man and so that was instruments one... are like guns you don't ever sell them i, I know and <laughs> thankfully my wife is she totally understands that because there's been a number of times where i'm like oh, i think i'm gonna sell this and she's like no you're gonna regret, You'll regret that. that yeah um but yeah she was she was a beautiful beautiful bass and it, it's funny i was just the other day thinking man i miss that bass and i went and looked at the picture and sure enough it was like Two days ago, it showed up in my timeline. Are you kidding? That, like in 07, I yeah. had put, man, I missed this bass. So something about this time huh. of year. It's winter. <laughs> maybe maybe that's when I miss it most. Yeah. I don't know. But it was just funny that it showed up in my timeline just like yesterday. But So yeah, I've been playing guitar. Do you still have that Taylor? I still have that Taylor, yes. And another one now. And I have another. I bought a 1999 310CE. I wanted to buy another, I, I had had another 410 CE uh, a few years back. I think I think for like my 10-year anniversary, Mindy bought me that. It was a used one. Um, gorgeous white binding, uh, Oven call back and sides, Sitka spruce top, um, mahogany neck. It was, it was a very nice guitar. <laughs> it's like I'm talking about a kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was a good one. He was a good one. But I sold that. I think I sold that and my red Spectre bass to get the Ernie Ball bongo bass. Oh. So I sold both of those to get that. And then, yeah, sold the bongo bass. But then a few years ago, oh, it was on, I think I bought it off eBay. Yeah, I found this 310 CE because um, they changed the pickup system, yeah, I think, in 2099. I think they changed to the expression system, which is, I think it sounds fine, but there, it has, you either love it or hate it. And I've never actually played on one very much. Um, but there were people that had it that claimed the old Fishman system that my 98 had and it is better. So I was looking for that because I, I love the sound of my, my Taylor. Um, I would put my 310 up against more expensive instruments in any, any day. Cause it just has a warmth and it's beaten in and it's loved. Uh, it's been refretted. It is a great sounding guitar. It's been refretted. <laughs> it's been. It's got a crack in the top, a crack in the back, and I've beat around the sound hole to to shreds. <laughs> but it, it's, it's my baby. Um, so I, you, I, you look at any big name guitarist, mm-hmm. they don't play perfect instruments. No, no, uh, unless they're like unless some they're licensed wannabe rocker. Yes, that has a signature line. Yep. But the guitar they go to. Yep. That thing is beat to heck. Yeah, because. It's been played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the so. nicest bass I ever, I ever got to play with uh, was an old, uh, a big black guy that was in a like a house band back in Oregon. And he had an old, I think a 70s, 60s or 70s jazz bass. 
Okay. That he'd had re-necked to a five string. Okay. So it was totally custom made after the fact. <laughs> and he let me touch it. It was the smoothest bass I've ever touched in my life. It was so phenomenal. You call me weird, but I, I'm convinced that <laughs> there is some love that's imparted into the instrument there must from be. Right. the years of connection. Yeah. Uh, from like the top of my guitar has the binding <laughs> is, <of> you. <laughs> is stretched. The binding is like uh, pulling away from the wood a little bit from the sweat yeah. from my forearm mm-hmm. being rested on the top. And um, the cut, the binding's a different color even a little bit where my arm is rubbed and it's, yeah, there's the neck. Those came out with a satin neck. The back of my neck, guitar neck is super shiny because yeah. of the oils. And so, yeah, so I've, I've played a few years now and i I still consider myself a hack, but I appreciate the the, the nice. But see, words. I've been, being on the sound side <laughs> of you for ten years now <laughs> has uh, I, I I grew up um, really from the time that I could stand on my own and turn knobs, mixing sound. Okay, and so you know, I've 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 had the pleasure of uh, <laughs> mixing you for several years now. A few, yes, and. Yeah, it is um, probably up there as the top um, person I've ever well, thank worked you. with. Now, there is one drummer <laughs> that I've worked with. Well, two. One of them is, uh, he used to be a session drummer in Nashville way okay. back. Okay. And he grew up, came out to Oregon and was in the military and we had happened to go to our church and so he would play. Yeah. That guy was a metronome that could feel and play anything you wanted to. Oh, it's so good when you get it to It was phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. He was good. And then um, our pastor's son at the time was untrained, but had phenomenal funk in him oh. and could just ride with anything. So those that. two drummers were a blast to work with. I um, love that. But no, I've had no, um, no lead vocalist and guitar Better and, than you. So. And the funny, well, I appreciate that. And the funny <laughs> thing is that at our previous church, I I considered myself a background guy. Uh, I played bass and sang in the back, and they're like, "You should probably lead a little bit." I'm like, "I'm not, I'm not a leader." So <laughs> I fought that, and then ended up leading and kind of liked it. Um, and yeah, so I was doing that. I'm looking for a picture of my bass. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank you. But yeah, I, en- fun, yeah. I enjoy playing. I enjoy playing all three, um, and I can plink out a few chords on the piano, um, do a good Gavin DeGraw uh, impersonation, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's music for me. I I enjoy it. A lot of people don't know. It, it's funny because I don't, there, there are a lot of people that I work with every day that had no idea that I sing or play an instrument at all, so um, our last, the night of christmas we did was kind of eye-opening for a lot of people <laughs> they're like we had no idea you sang john <laughs> how many of them actually were able to make it uh just a couple just a few yeah yeah because i didn't <laughs> <laughs> yes i know i'm not a good promoter <laughs> for me exactly uh, <laughs> i'll market you all day long yeah, yeah. But yeah, a few came and really liked it, but uh, the video Mindy shared really. Oh yeah. Well, that was help open up eyes. That was a great group of oh, uh, of voices. Such a fun had. night and so much talent and yeah. it was it was very good. So those that don't know what we're talking about, 
in December, we put on a... If you've listened uh, this long to this that's podcast. That's true, yeah. If you've been this far in <laughs> and you don't know what's going on, uh, we put on a concert uh, Christmas show that uh, intermingled uh, local musical talent with um, an actor friend of mine from Minneapolis. And kind of telling the story of Christmas and uh, dynamite vocals and music and uh, just had a wonderful night of, of Christmas. Yes. And, uh, Good John, name. Good so, name for it. So uh, graciously, <laughs> he was the first, after I talked to my wife, to say, do, what, what if we do this? Uh, John was the first call to go, if, what if we do this? <laughs> if we do, you have to run the music for me. So, uh, And he said, yes, and it was a smashing success. It was. We had a lot of great feedback yeah. and such talent in the area oh, without, man, yeah. I mean, this isn't people we brought in. This is people that yeah. Well, it's people you and I have worked with for yep. years. Yep. Just playing around either at church or yep. just other things we've done with different people um, and I mean, and we didn't, we didn't even have to go outside of that group for that show. No. And I mean, just knowing that we have other options if we want oh, to absolutely. go out of that, it's going to be insane. These so, are people we knew about. Right. Like, yeah. There's, there's a lot of people that yeah. have now talked and Hey, I'd be interested in doing that. So it'll be, yeah. So we're, it'll be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for, the, for next year already. So yes, um, it'll be, it'll be sweet. <clears throat> any, uh, trying to think i mean we could keep going but yeah i, I mean, there's I'm there's trying, a lot yeah um <laughs> well it, it was just crazy to me because we moved into our house which was right next to you mm-hmm. we moved in in the end of 08 okay um and the, the first recollection i have of your children was we that year snow. we had an insane snowstorm yep uh it probably it, it's almost rivals for it's more than this, we had this year yeah. but it's it's close yep uh, in the drift that happens to pile up in my front yard. <laughs> uh, and I remember shoveling that. Yep. And then I don't remember what day it was, but all of a sudden I hear noise outside. And there are these two little kids frolicking about on the pile of snow in our front yard. Yes. And at first I thought, these dang kids, what's going on Get in this town? Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> um, but then it, it turned out that it was yours. And yes. It's crazy to think this far down the road. Um that they were that little. Yeah. And now mine are that and, little. And, and yeah. So it's weird. <laughs> it's It doesn't seem that long ago, but in other ways it seems forever ago yeah. too. But yeah, it's been crazy. And I, I admit there was one day I was out mowing right after you guys had moved in um, that I caught the glimpse of a base headstock in the window <laughs> as I was mowing. I'm like, I think he might be a bass player. Um, and so... I finally found the picture of my vase. Purdy. Oh. Purdy. If you like that funky design. Well, I, I the the music man, five string was always the bass that I yeah. drooled over. That stingray? Yeah. Yep. That I loved mm-hmm. because it just had the look I wanted. I didn't love that those had twenty two frets. Mm-hmm. This one has twenty four. Yep. Um, I love the longer scale. Yeah. So I, I ended up going with a, a brand new line from Ibanez called Ergodyne, which they quit making it after a couple of years because it was no, there's no wood in it. Yeah. Except the fretboard. Yeah. That's all some composite material. But that thing has some of the best tone that I've heard out of a bass. You should try it with new strings. <laughs> That's why the tone is so good. <laughs> it's like Samson. You don't want to cut right. the hair. <laughs> I've put new strings on it a couple times. How long have you had it? 98. <laughs> 98. And I think, I think the third set of strings that I've bought for it. Is still sitting in my office. Excellent. 
Excellent. Because I, I, I don't think that I... Have you changed them since here? Oh, no. I didn't think you had. But I've, really, how but, much have I played? Yeah. Not as much as I'd like to, but... You know, live, I've probably played that more than you. I think you have, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. But, uh, the, but I, you know, thinking about the wear that comes on the guitar. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the back of that thing. And I used to play all the time in Oregon. That's all I did. Yep. And it is so worn. Like the neck, you can, the back of it, you can see where the hand moves all the time. Um, and then I have a fretless that I never thought that I really played much until I looked at it. The fretboard is beat to heck yeah. from the strings, just digging into it. Yep. If you're, especially so, if you're using round wounds. Yes. They'll, that's, they'll cut into yeah. that thing like a so buzz I, saw. So I, I must have played it quite a bit. Nice. I'd have had that one for probably 15, 15 years. Why, I don't know, but <laughs> it's again, I'm not, I, I don't want to get rid of them. Yep. I agree. I have too many guitars right now and I have a couple, you know. They're not good guitars. Yeah. I, I bought one Mexican-made Strat um, that I think was in a flood in Fargo because when I took it apart to refinish it, there was actually mud in, Are you kidding? in the, the pickup cavity. Oh. Uh, but I got it all pieced back together and kind of cool looking, but there's a crack in the, the neck pocket that I should epoxy up and fix, but it's kind of fun just to dink around mm-hmm. on. And then I, yeah, I've got too many, but. You had a, did you have an SG or Les Paul? I did have a Les G for a little, a little bit. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Sold that. Hmm. But I, You also had a banjo that you sold. I also had a banjo <sighs> that I sold. Mindy sold at a garage sale. <laughs> the kids, they would hate when I'd try to practice on that thing. So <laughs> I don't have a banjo. Hmm. I practically gave that thing away at a garage sale, I think. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite uh, style of music? <clears throat> I can't answer that. There's there's so many. Like, even if you go to my play, my favorite songs list on my uh, Spotify playlist, yeah, there's everything from like opera to heavy heavy metal. <laughs> um, throwing some. Did I just see you post something about Sepultura? No tourniquet. Oh tourniquet. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> tourniquet. They're uh, yeah. Oh, man. Their twenty fifth anniversary of Vanishing Lessons. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a whole nother show. Uh, yeah, just the music world that we were in. Yes, forever. we'll we'll have to do. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know what my favorite style is. I'll I'll go and then I'll go. What to, do you prefer to play? What do I prefer to play? I mean, most of what you played is church stuff. It's a acoust- like modern that's, church stuff. That's but. most. That's probably my most. Yeah, or singer songwriter Ed Sh- uh, Sheeran stuff like that. I'll play some of that stuff and um, Chris Stapleton. Mm. Love Chris Stapleton. Tennessee whiskey, a little Tennessee whiskey. Um, That's what you should be doing. You should do that now. I don't have a guitar. I have, I have an old crappy one out there. Yeah. No, that's at home. Shoot. Oh shoot! Look, ah. I was going to too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I, I acoustic driven. Anything good acoustic. For me to like the music, it has to either. I have. I've always had three criteria. Either has to have really good lyrics, really good instrumentation. Or great vocals. Those are my three things. Okay, so it can be crap music as long as the vocals are dynamite. Absolutely. Then it's worth listening to. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If it has great instrumentation, but the yeah. lyrics suck, which I have to admit, listening back to uh, Tourniquet, <laughs> some of the lyrics are so <laughs> lame, but the instrumentation's fantastic. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's always been my criteria. And then you get into more opera, 
stuff and yeah just dynamite vocals Mm -hmm. so yeah that's my criteria for music so i don't have a favorite genre even so i had a group of kids in today for a class and we were talking about that what i asked what they listen to and it's country or rap Mm -hmm. isn't that weird yeah rock is nothing well that was the thing i was like they don't really make rock and roll anymore no i mean any of the rock that's out there is all old stuff yeah so, it, oh, okay. It, so the garage band is dead. Absolutely. The the closest thing that I can find to a garage band band is Colony House. Sure. And they have a, a similar feel, feel. And they're kind of, you know, radical. Yeah. And they're going to probably get bigger because they're touring with Switchfoot right now. Okay. Um, But they, they were fun. We saw them a couple weeks ago. Well, geez. No. Months. Months My ago. child wasn't born yet. <laughs> wow. Um, and they were really fun, but looking at them, they are the, they felt like the Nirvana sure. of current in, in the, the way they were on stage running about being crazy. Yep. That doesn't exist much. No, no. Especially it, in a small town like Millbank. There's no garage band here, is there? And that's, that's a really sad thing about Millbank is there isn't a music scene at all. Um, I think if you had an open mic night somewhere, no Nobody one would show, would show up. up. Yeah. It ain't karaoke. No. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when we were, when I was in high school, we were, of course, I played with a church band at that point, but we'd get together, and of course, it was during the ska movement, so oh, we would, man. we would upbeat Slick everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would, any, any praise and worship song we were yeah. playing at church, we'd totally <laughs> upbeat it, and uh, we didn't have any horns players, but mm. we were always trying to, you know, get together and play, because we loved music and loved the instrumentation of music. Um, the move over to more EDM has affected that a little bit. Yeah, the digitizing of music yeah. really has changed. The fact that I can either hurt my fingers learning to play the guitar or just learn this this yeah. uh, touchpad, mm-hmm. it's it's right. been a, a downfall to traditional rock and roll. Well, I saw Metallica in September, mm-hmm. and th- they are still, because they're... Um, I feel like we should split this, like, we probably start the second right? podcast at this point. <laughs> That's a good point. But just the... <laughs> all right, well... <laughs> no, anyway, you saw... No, no, the... Metallica. But in all of that, they still are a four-piece rock band. Yeah. You know, I think they have some tracks, but not much. Yeah. Like, they don't, they don't have a track that stands in front of the band. No. You still hear them. Yep. Now, they probably process the heck out of things. Sure. But there was not, you know, it, it's not polished. Even some of the local bands that we've had in town, mm-hmm. um, they run with such heavy tracks. That, yeah. Well, Manic Drive, for instance. I love that band. Yeah. They've been here a couple times, and they were here last August. Um, they don't need a bass player. No. They don't technically need any instrumentation except no. a drummer, kind of, because it's all a track. Yeah. I bet they don't need half the vocals. Because a lot of that is... Is built in. Yeah. Yeah. So that, this whole, and I just, for some reason, I watched the stupid Taylor Swift concert on Netflix. Just for production. Sure. Sure. Um, Yeah. Half of that blatantly is tracked. She's not in the microphone half the time. You've got to be able to do your production and your moves and stuff. So, so it's, it's now a show. It's no longer a concert. It's not a Mm -hmm. talent show anymore. It's a light show. Yeah. But... That's what people will pay for. And, and a lot of money. And they'll pay a lot of money for it. And 
Yeah, it, it is sad when you listen to I I was listening to some classic rock today. Um, as in, <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, what's classic? classic rock? As in some Guns and Roses and yeah. stuff, and you just hear the putting myself in their shoes as to this is a unique sound as we create this. It was cutting mm-hmm. edge. Mm-hmm. Um, on the guitar, you don't hear that played as much. I mean, the, the downfall of radio has hurt that as well too. Yeah, because radio used to push yep that stuff. Um. You look at the top 40s now on Spotify and stuff, and it's mostly hip-hop. And explicit. And explicit, absolutely. Um, the 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 rock genre is weird. It, it really is weird. And it doesn't get as much play. So I feel like country has taken that spot because, honestly, and I, I love it's country. It's kind of a southern rock feel. It, absolutely. Because there's absolutely. still usually some guitar talent. Yes. Least. Yep. And- and it's interesting, maybe that's why it has had such a resurgence or growth in these last few years, because mm-hmm. a lot of times it is real musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, they are playing guitars, and they'll do a stripped-down version. Yeah, I, I love that. You, you take like a Zac Brown band. They're a rock band. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're fantastic musicians, yeah. but you hear a banjo, you hear a mandolin, and suddenly it's country. Yeah. Um, you, you look at a lot of the older bands that, um, Leonard Skinner now would totally be a country band. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a lot of those uh, those 80s rock bands that you change one instrument and they'd totally be a country band now. Uh, you take the, the leather off and tease the hair down a little bit and they'd totally be a country band. But yeah, it's it's a changing music scene well, and I don't necessarily like how that's going. I sound like an old man. Right. I don't like the way football's well, we kinda, going. We kind of are, strangely. <laughs> We're falling into that side. Yes. Uh, but like the Eagles. Yeah. They Country. were as laid back on stage mm-hmm. as you could get. Really mellow, most yep. of it. And wonderful musicians. Yeah. Yeah. And Don Henley, who's the other guy? The main. No. Uh, when they all broke apart. I mean, half the songs that we all know came from that band. Yeah. Well, Joe Walsh was on. And then. Yeah, well, he came. Then they started turning to crazy off stage. Yeah. But, <laughs> But good guitar work. Yeah. But but that thinking of that, you know, oh, the Eagles—they're so iconic. But really, if you listen to it, it's really mellow. It is. It is. And there's a few of songs of theirs that I like, but I'm not a huge no. Eagles fan. No, I almost prefer the solo projects that came out of that. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, a little bit. But or when they came back acoustic, the Hell yeah. on Hell Freezes Over tour, mm. I think, in like '95. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, we, we we weren't listening to that, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the the whole concept, and you know, moving to Millbank, there's just I was surprised that bands would come to this town because mm-hmm. the the whole Lifelight movement really yeah. kept some music in Millbank, and yeah. you know, the the people that ran that locally that really helped. And with Farley Fest, um, the some that's of the, true. Yeah, some well, of the Blake country Sheldon, artists, yeah. They brought Before in was big anybody. artists. Yeah. yeah. Luke Bryan, I think, was one of them. Luke Bryan. Funny thing. Joe Nichols. The high school kids that were in today, mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about that. One of the girls, she's a for sophomore, I think. Um, and she said, oh, one of my favorite old country singers is Luke Bryan. <laughs> it's like, old. wait a second. Are we, are we really talking old? <laughs> and Tim McGraw, he was in there. Now wow. he's old. Well, yeah, but still. For yeah. me, that's not old. Yeah, that's, Merle Haggard. Well, yeah, that's oh, not. It's not George right. Jones. Yeah, and exactly. Conway Twitty or anything like that. <laughs> right. But the classic country. 
But John Michael Montgomery. Oh, I love John Michael. That was my first. <laughs> that was that was the the album that made me like country music. When I saw the video for Sold, or not the Sold, what is it? Uh, anyway, it, it's the song about finding a girl at an auction. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was. <laughs> That was the song where I'm like, yeah, that's kind of fun. And I loved the storytelling. Didn't he kind of bring the sexy into country music? Like mainstream uh, it? No, that was uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, sorry, the mullet. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, JMM was more, uh, he was a prettier. I don't I don't know if he was pretty. <laughs> okay. I, 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 whatever. <laughs> but... Tim McGraw in his tight, yeah. tight jeans. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Was yeah. Shania Twain. Sh- yeah, Shania Twain. And that was back when Garth was And was Garth huge. was huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Garth he's, he's big again, but... Different level. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible that he's poss- maybe the greatest, or one of. I... Because... Yeah. He's one guy that I can... I don't like country music, but I can typically sit through his stuff and enjoy it. He's, he's one of those that if I ever hear one of his songs, I let it play through to the end, because yeah. it was fun music. Mm-hmm. And good, and the guy knew how to put on a show. Um, yeah, he's he's one of the one of those up there. I like playing some of his songs every once in a while. <laughs> I think we've done that a little yeah, bit. Get my southern drawl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, well, this is uh, probably we probably should wrap this up <laughs> um, and, and get ready for the next yeah. <laughs> the music show. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you listen to this entire thing, come find me. I'll give you 20 bucks. No. Wait a second. That's going in the notes. No. <laughs> listen to the end. No. All right, I'll give you a dollar. There we go. Right, there right. could be. A good clap on the back. Hundreds of people coming to Hey. Me. Yeah. You're doomed. Mindy would be mad. I'd make you go get the money from her. Because <laughs> she's frugal. Yes. Uh, thanks for coming in. It's fun. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, uh... I'm a little sad we didn't even get to talk about beard care. You know, the thought crossed that, <laughs> that and our, our pipe collections. Oh, absolutely. I mean, really. Because we've, we've both grown those. Yes. As we've known each other. We, we should have a whole separate podcast oh, on. Fantastic. Pipes, beards, and whiskey. Oh. Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> We're satisfied with our women. We don't need the... Uh, they're good there. Yeah. We're not going to add that to the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wives, All whiskey, right. and whiskers. Well, there it is. There, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's the WWW show. <laughs> Where it's a throwback, this thing that used to be called the interweb. Yes. Or find us at www.www.com. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's taken. It's got to be taken. It has to be. <laughs> if not, someone's a fool. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for, if you did stay with us this whole time, we thank you. Um, yeah. But, but it's fun. You should probably check yeah. your Facebook because you missed out on a lot of things while this, you were listening to this podcast. But I did? No, just oh, the oh, person the that's listening. I know, yeah. But there were a lot of things they could have <laughs> could have done. Could have been doing otherwise. <laughs> but hey, so- at least they know more about me not now. Not the social medias. <laughs> I don't see, this is the great part. Is the enigma now is is somewhat revealed. Yes, yes. <laughs> the only time you'll ever get That's me it. to talk about That's some right. of this stuff. I like it. But, uh, and really, we covered half of what we could have, so this oh, is yeah. fun. 
But. I will have to come on again. Oh, yeah. This will be a blast. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having this me. This is, um, <clears throat> maybe, this is the interview. Uh, YMailBank.com, if you're interested, if you've stun- stayed this far again, uh, YMailBank.com is the website where you can find this stuff, because you already found it, but um, more info if you want to donate. If you have a story to tell, you can send us a message, and we'll uh, we'll find you and get you on there. Um, and remember, find John, and he'll give you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Interview Podcast on the Y Millbank Podcast Network in Millbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg. Have a great day. Bye.